Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. We started a series last week called The Church of Power. How many of you enjoyed last week? It was wonderful. The awesome part about last week is that I only got through half of my sermon. So, <laughs> so I'm, we're talking about the anointing and we're talking about what it looks like for the church to be a church of power because I keep saying it's coming, but I feel as if it's here. I, I feel as if it's here. And sometimes you just have to have the faith to understand that it may, you may not feel like it's the season, but it is the season. And I was, I was, I was at a, a breakfast yesterday and I was listening to one of my heroes, Michael Koulianos. We were sitting in a room about this size. And he's a man that I respect. I admire his love for Jesus. And, and he's a, to me, he's a hero. And it's okay to have heroes. We don't worship him. We just acknowledge what he carries. Amen? And he gets up on stage. And this is a guy who preaches to stadiums. And he preaches to big, you know, and miracles happen everywhere. And he gets up on stage. He's like, I don't know how to explain this. But I feel like the Lord has spoken to me. And he's like, up until this point, it's like we've been dabbling. That's what he said. This guy carries something that a lot of people honestly do not carry. And he feels like he's dabbling. And honestly, it's how I feel. As a church, look around. God's done amazing things with our church. But I feel like we're still just dabbling. Like we're in the very beginning foundational stages of what the Lord is going to release. Of what he's going to bring. And what you, not the pastor, not my staff, not my leadership, what you get to carry. You got to believe it. You've got to believe and you've got to know that we will not be a church that is camped around humanistic issues. We don't not acknowledge issues. We know they're there. We just know Jesus is bigger. So I know that we could do one of two things. We could fix our eyes on the problem. Listen, when I got here, there were lots of problems and they haven't stopped. Because we're people and people have problems and it's okay because Jesus loves us. But what I've learned is the more I fix my eyes on the problem, the bigger the problem becomes. And the less adequate that I feel. And the more unequipped and, and the more confused. But something happens when I get in my room where I pray in the morning and I turn on worship music. And I just fix my eyes to heaven where all of the solutions, the solution doesn't even matter anymore because I know I have him. And you begin to realize that when you have him, you have everything. And so you've got to know, as we talk about miracles, signs, and wonders, because we're going to talk about it again today, and as we talk about the miraculous, and as we talk about courage, none of it matters if you don't realize this. Come on, I spent seven months talking about Jesus. It's all I talked about, because it is the foundational upon that rock we will build this church. Not just the name, not just the tinglys, not just the, the not just the ideology. Come on, we're going to move past the point where miracle signs and wonders and moving in power is not ideology anymore. It is truth. I'm fired up. I got messed up, man. I spent three days. I'm not a conference junkie. If you know this, you've been here. I'm not a conference junkie. But every once in a while, there's this events that happen where there are people who really lay down their lives for Jesus. And so I went to sit, not to learn how to build a church. I'm past that. Melissa, how many times did I talk about building a church or ministry? It didn't happen. I used to go to conference. Oh, this guy has 14,000 people. I must go sit so he can teach me. Then I realized I'm just not interested. 
And so we're sitting in a room full of people who have given their lives, they've been stoned, they've been beaten, they've given their families, they've lived in huts, they sleep on floors, they've been spit on, and yet they still stand. Oh, while we were at the conference, one of the missionaries, I passed by the door. Passed by the door. And something's happening, you can tell it's something commercial going on. One of the missionaries had a son, a daughter, a son in South Africa. And the son was somewhere high, I don't know if it was a ladder or a tree. But he fell off of a tree and he died. He died. And I, I immediately felt the weight of like, oh. They prayed for him. These are people who believe in raising the dead and they raise the dead. All the time. They get up. So what's the response? <laughs> the mom and the dad. Oh, Jesus, help us. The mom and the dad. You see them. And, and in the middle of losing their son, they, they haven't seen him. They're, they're not even at the funeral. Their hands lifted high. And they're worshiping. Because singing he's worthy of it all in every situation is more than words. It's more than words. I mean, when you really see him, oh, you may think I'm crazy right now, and I hope you do. Because I believe the Lord is tired of churches that sing songs about his worthiness, but when they stub their toe, they walk away. And I watched them worship, and I thought to myself, Lord, give me that kind of faith. Man, we talk about persecution in the church, and our persecution is somebody writes something bad about me on Facebook. I get it. It hurts, but come on. The Lord is calling us to carry a gospel. And the gospel is alive. Open your Bibles to Romans 15. We're going to pick up where we left off. I do not apologize for crying. Just want to tell you. Thank you, Bood. Have you guys met Bood? He's one of my best friends in the whole wide world. The Lord gave him to me. He's my armor bearer. I hope you realize what the Lord's bringing to this church. Stephen, can you wave your hand real quick? Stand up real quick. This is Stephen. I want you to see him. Because the Lord brought Stephen to our church and he told me this week that he's raising up an army and that we're going to win many souls together. And I want you to see him because he's leading it. And I want to make it very clear to you that this church will not be a church that keeps what's inside, inside. It's about to go out. And we're going to hit Waimama, we're going to hit Plant City, we're going to hit Walmart, we're going to hit the gas station because we're going to win people for Jesus. Shut your hands towards Stephen right now. Say he's doing it. He's doing it. Romans 15, verse 18 says this. Are you okay? Are you alive? 
This is Paul speaking and he says this, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. What did he do? He brought the Gentiles to God by the message, by way, I worked among them. Paul's saying, I don't want to talk about anything except what God has done through me, and this is what he's done. He's brought the Gentiles. That's significant because before this time, the Gentiles were not God's chosen people. So he's saying, even the people who were not supposed to receive Jesus are receiving Jesus by the work of God through me. Now you've got to see how he classifies that work. The work is classified. And this is what it says. They were convinced by the power. Say power. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. This is how they were convinced. That when they walked past the sick, they got healed. That when they came across the broken, there was wholeness. That when people who were once dead, to, they were dead on the inside. You, you think, miracle, listen, one of the greatest miracles we see in this church on an ongoing basis is lives coming to him. We do not discount the greatest miracle that at one point you were dead, but now you are alive. One of the unmistakable themes in the gospel is that when God's people possess great courage and they spoke out, God came and he backed their word with amen. That they stood up in the midst of controversy, they stood up in the midst of persecution, they stood up in the midst of complacency, they stood up in the midst of apathy, and they stood up and they said, God, use me. They refused to live a normal life. And you would see in the book of Acts as God added to them by the thousands. And there was persecution, and yet they came by the thousands. And people could not understand it, yet they came. Come on, when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts, they thought they were drunk. They thought they were drunk. That's the kind of Holy Spirit, that's the kind of power that had fallen on them. And so God comes today and we get goosebumps and we say, he has arrived. We have got to contend for more. You say, well, it doesn't matter. I don't have to feel, you kind of do. Because the Bible is very clear that God is an expert. He, he is to be experienced. That is why it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How can you taste apart from experience? Can you taste food without putting it in your mouth? No, you cannot. God is to be experienced. He is to be felt. And as he comes upon you, as the Holy Spirit permeates your heart, he begins to change you from the inside out. Oh my gosh. And then things begin to happen. Because people see God on you. And they want. I was sitting in a sauna at the gym. And the Lord had called me to, he has called me to a season of hiding. He said, I want you to hide yourself. Now, I'm not an introvert. I like people. I like to be around. <laughs> you haven't noticed? I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Hide yourself. I'm like, okay, God, but if I hide myself, I won't be around people. And if I'm around Christians all the time, you know how much I hate that. I got to be around some jacked up people because that's where I feel at home. This is my dialogue. I will not be a Christian in a bubble. Get out of here. Jesus didn't do it. So I'm in the sauna. 
and I walk in, Anthony's with me. As soon as I walk in, there's a guy in there. Hey, how you doing? I said, doing good, man. We started to talk. I think he sees Anthony's tattoo. It says Psalms 100 on it. I see you got a tattoo, man. What does Psalms 100 mean? We began to talk. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts moving. I didn't preach nothing to him. We were, it was like 155 degrees. I'm thinking, can we carry this conversation outside? I know I got to lose weight, but I'm going to pass out. And we're talking. And we're talking. Of, he says, what's the word of the day? That's what he says to me. I said, I got a word for you, bro, every day. You're talking to the right guy. He said, the word of the day is consecration. The word, the Lord is calling us to separate ourselves, not just from the world to be apart, but so that he can fill us with power. He's like, that, you got to meet Willie. You got to meet Willie. He's going to be here one day. He's like, he's saying all this stuff. Then he looks at me in my eyes. Ask Anthony if I'm lying. He says, I, he put out his hands. He says, I want you to pray for me right now. This is not a Christian. You would have known it by his language. I love it. He, I want you to pray. And then he looks at me. He says, I want you to pray for me because I see God. Am I lying, bro? I want you to pray for me. He said this. He says, you know a lot about a man when you're talking to him about God and he's looking you in the eyes. You know why this is comfortable? Because I expect that wherever we go, that the kingdom of heaven is leaking out. And I've stopped looking at miracle signs and wonders as just a moment in church where we pray for the sick in the altar. But I realize that if what's in here does not go out there, it will die. So in the gym, in the sauna, I'm praying for Willie and I'm prophesying life over him. And he's squeezing my hand and it hurts. And we end the prayer and he's like, oh. He says, you know Jesus. I said, yes, I do. I don't go to church. Church is in my heart. I said, that's good, bro. Whatever you got to do. But Jesus is real and he loves you and he is a relationship. This is the life of a normal Christian. Where people... Come on. She's about to, to raise your hand, Shannon. She goes to a Bible study during her lunch break. When she comes back, there must have been something different because people were asking questions. And so she comes back to work. Where were you? I was at a prayer meeting and somebody said to her, am I wrong? We want that here. We're talking about Citibank. We're not talking about a church. Can you set up a prayer meeting here? <sighs> What more do you want? I dare to speak about nothing except what God has done through me. That the way I live my life has caused even the people who were not supposed to believe to believe. How did you do it? By miracles, signs, and wonders. By the way that I walked, by the way that I talked, by the transformation that has happened in my life because my life is a story. Because Paul says that we are living epistles. That means that every story carries kingdom. And every kingdom, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? As we share about the stories of Willie, as we share about the stories of Shanna, as we share about what God is doing, that word is alive. And it says this, God, do it again. <laughs> the promises of God are yes and amen. And here's the truth. God says yes, but it is your job to say amen. What does amen mean? Amen says let it be. It's more than words. It's when he speaks and he says, yes, I'm taking action and steps towards that word. 
says yes, but I have to have the faith that what he's saying is true and my amen looks like me taking one step in front of the other and believing for the more. So we will not, we will not, we will not preach sermons that camp around humanistic issues. I'm not speaking to your flesh, I'm speaking to your spirit. Some of you may not even understand, but listen, sometimes your spirit catches things before you do. You ever notice that? You don't understand how to, how, what, what's going on. I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, man, I want to listen to this music. And I put on the music and then all of a sudden I go from feeling happy to like, man, I want to punch a baby. What's going on? Because whether we realize it or not, that is speaking to our spirit. And so sometimes I'm riding down the road or me and my wife had to have an intense fellowship. We don't argue, we have intense fellowship. And I'm like, oh, Lord, would you just touch her, Lord? And she's probably like, Lord, why did you send me him? He is so stubborn. He always thinks he's right. Nobody thinks they're wrong. Come on. And so I go into my room and I turn on worship music. All of a sudden, the Lord comes. Nothing changed. The altercation didn't get fixed. But something in my spirit. And whether you realize it or not, that's what happens to you on Sunday mornings. You say, I don't need church. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you could have fixed you, you would have done it a long time ago. I'm not saying that I'm here to fix you. What I'm saying is there's something about a corporate gathering and about people coming together and saying, King Jesus, we lift you high. And then he comes. And then he comes and he begins to touch hearts and depression begins to leave. And anxiety begins to leave. Hopelessness begins to leave and then you start to cry and you don't even know why and you think, I really am mentally unstable. But it's not. It's the Lord. Because when he comes, the Bible says that mountains melt like wax before him. Why would you ever think that he can come into this room and you cannot respond in any way? Mountains melt, melt like wax before the Lord, but here I am and I don't feel anything. That's because your heart is hard. So I was walking through the line yesterday. They, do a, they did a prayer tunnel. And I don't always, I'm like, I don't know if I have to go. Then I'm like, go. And they're praying for people, and they're praying fast over everybody. And I'm just walking through the line, Lord, whatever you have for me. And then the guy stops, and he looks at my wife. That was the second time that day. And we're walking in the prayer line, and he looks at her. This is Michael Koulianos, and he says, Songs. And my wife's like, oh, she's like, she falls. <laughs> so red. She fell to the ground because he doesn't know us. And then I'm walking through the line. And I'm like, that was awesome. And then he grabs me and he, he almost punched me in the stomach. He's like, man, should have tensed up my whatever abs I got down there. And he goes, he says, a hammer. And I felt fire. Oh. <sighs> He says, your words will be a hammer that will break down hard hearts. Now, he doesn't know that I pray that. Oh, he doesn't know that I pray that every single person that walks through that door who has been hardened by church. It's not a coincidence that God brings us so many people that have been hurt by church. I pray that. I pray it. Because the Lord is restoring the church to a place of power. And he's putting courage inside of people to go out. And that courage... That courage changes things. Can I read to you the effects of courage? 
Are you okay? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Let's go to 1 Samuel. This is where I'll land. This is what I really want to talk about a little bit today. I know I've said a lot. I could find it. 1 Samuel, verse 14, uh, chapter 14. I'm sorry. Are you alive? Say yes. I'll give you a second. Look it up in your Bible. I want you to see this. The context of this, which is important to understand, is that the people of Israel, God's people, were in a bind. They had found themselves in a war against the forever enemies of Israel, the Philistines. And they find themselves in an impossible situation surrounded. You could read chapter 13 and all that. You know, the, the chapter right before the sub-chapter is Israel's military disadvantage. They're not in a good place. And so here comes Jonathan. And Jonathan decides, hey, he calls his armor bearer. Remember, I'm talking to you about courage. Talking to you about believing for the impossible. He goes, hey, let's go. I want to go see what's really going on because I hear a lot of talk. That's, that's my version. And so here he goes, chap, verse 6 of chapter 14. This is Jonathan, and he says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Talking about the Philistines. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. I love that. Hey, let's go to the impossible situation because nothing can stop him. He's bigger than the pagans. He's bigger than the Philistines. I don't care about the report. It doesn't move. God is bigger. Somebody say, God is bigger. He is. He can win a battle whether or he has many or few. This is faith. You're reading faith. The number doesn't matter. Jesus changed the world with 12. The number doesn't matter. What matters are hungry hearts. What matters are burning ones. Ones that are on fire, who refuse to give up, who fill their lamp with oil and burn as a sign. You don't want to hear that. So here's the armor bearer, and he's the real hero. Because this is not even a warrior. Jonathan was the warrior. This was the guy who carried his snacks and his sword. And he says this, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely wherever you decide. One version says even, he says this, do what is in your heart for the Lord is with us. I pray for those kind of people. That as we cast vision for our church, and as we continue to move forward, and as the Lord pours out his spirit and he moves among his people, that when I share my crazy ideas, people don't look at me and go sideways. It's only going to get worse. Because this gospel is a go gospel. And there are times where the Lord has spoken things into my heart. And sometimes I'm afraid to share with people, frankly, because I don't know how they're going to react. But the Lord is sending people that will say, hey, whatever's in your heart, if the Lord says it, if you have the faith, let's do it. Out of this church, I'm telling you it's going to happen. This church will plant churches in Cuba. This church, it is in my heart to have a school. You think I'm crazy? I don't care what you think. It's going to happen. Because my heart is not just to have a church, but we want to raise up a generation of young people that know Him. So we'll get them young. We will start... I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You say, well, where's it going to happen? You only got this little building. I don't care. what. Don't, don't care. I don't care. 
don't tell me the Lord can't do it. I'd be planting churches in Cuba right now had the Lord said yes. <laughs> right now. And some of you are the very people who God is wanting to raise up to use. There is no separation. There is no all-star preachers. There is no all-star Christians. What is he looking for? Someone who would say yes. That they would hear about crazy impossibilities that are happening in the town of Lithia. And they would say, that guy's just crazy enough that we can do it. Not trying to build bigger buildings and a bigger auditorium with more seats to fill more butts to do nothing. Not doing it. I'm not doing it. Look me in the eyes when I believe what I'm saying. We're raising up an army. Ah, we're raising up an army that go into the streets and they carry kingdom. If you don't, if you, if you don't get it, stick around because it's gonna catch you. So here's Jonathan, and he says, Go and do everything that's with you. And so here they are, they're going towards the Philistines, and they find them on the hill, right? Now there's two people. There's really only one warrior. If you see somebody on a hill and there's many of them, the only advantage you would have in this kind of situation is what? The element of surprise. <laughs> there's lots of them. There's little of us. They're on a hill. They got the advantage of being on a hill. Our only advantage is to somehow sneak around and to fight them. But he has the worst military strategy ever. Read it. He sees them and he goes, here's my plan. Oh my gosh. Here's my plan. I'm going to call out to them. And if they say, come up here, then I will know the Lord has gave, us, gave them to us. But if they say, we will go down there, we will know that we shouldn't go. So his plan is to ruin the whole element of surprise and to say, hey, here's me and my friend. And then he says, if they say, come up, we will take it as a sign. Many of you know, you would probably want a bigger sign than that. Because if you're about to be in a fight and you got the high ground, you're going to be like, come up here so I can wreck you. You would not give up your strategy. But, but faith does not make sense. And so they shout out to them and the Philistines say, come up here. We've got something to show you. We've got a surprise for you. Come on. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he looks at him and he goes, we're about to, we're about to win. And the, the, the hill was so steep that they had to climb up the hill on their hands and knees. It wasn't like a little, a little elevation. It was um, like a mountain. They had to climb up. And as they climb up the mountain, it says, when they arrived, the Philistines, they all fell back. <laughs> you can imagine the Lord in heaven is like, oh, they hear, they're hearing the conversation. I think he does it with me sometimes. I'm like, we're going to take over the world. And God's like, he's so cute. Look at that little guy over there. When they get up on the top of the ridge, all of the men are down and they have been pinned down. <laughs> and then the armor bearer goes crazy. Remember, this isn't the warrior, but the story says the armor bearer killed all of them. What was the warrior doing? He's like, hey, there's one over here. There's one over here. This is the Lord. And so they kill all of them. And he said, all of a sudden, when they were killed, the ground began to shake. And the word went forward. How many of you know this says bad news travels fast? Really, really good news travels faster. That's why some of you are here, you've heard the good news. 
and the word begins to go forward and there are effects to their act of courage. Can I read to you what happened? Two men walk up a ridge with some faith and this is what happened. Verse 20. Then Saul and all of his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines were killing each other. There was confusion in the camp because the enemy cannot understand that kind of faith. When you step out in faith, you better know that your battle is already won. It may not look that way, it may not feel that way, but the Lord will go before you and he will make crooked paths straight and he will make impossible situations happen just because you said yes. There was terrible confusion. And then it says this. The Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and they joined with Saul. Who were those people? The Hebrew were people from Israel that for whatever reason found themselves now in the camp of the enemy. They were Hebrews, they were people of Israel, but they wore Philistine armor. They spoke like the Philistines. They acted like the Philistines. They had assumed the responsibility or, or the identity of the Philistines. But something happens and they hear the story of two men with great courage. They see the effects of the supernatural and all of a sudden something inside of them says, wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. I don't belong here. I got to go back. What does that look like today, man? Your active courage, you expressing faith, you living a life of love will awaken those who have been hurt by church, who have been hurt by people, who have been hurt, who have been disappointed, where they've been living in doubt, they've been living in fear, but there's something about the way you live your life and the way that you slay giants that when they see and they hear the word of the Lord, they say, wait a minute, and they strip off everything that the word has tried to put on them they go back home. This is, this is what's happening in the church today. Because people don't want to hear the same crap over and over and over and over and see nothing. They want real. And so the Hebrews, they return back and they join back where they should have been all along. But there was another group. And it said this, likewise the men of Israel who were hiding in the hills, the country of Ephraim, joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. The people, those people represent people. Uh, sometimes it's harder to win the backslider and the person who's walked away than to touch the heart of a person who's been coming to church 12 years but does not respond to the gospel. I've seen it. I've been in ministry long enough to know that it is easier to touch the heart of someone who knows there's a sinner than of someone who's sitting in a crowd that is complacent. The people in Ephraim represent people that come to church every single week. They want the benefits of kingdom, but want no personal responsibility put on them. Why would I have to do that? Why do I have to worship that way? Do I really have to give? No, you don't have to give, but you should. Yet, there was something about the supernatural courage of two men that caused those men to rise up out of the mountain and rise up with boldness and courage to go join the battle. And that's what we're looking for today, for people to join the battle. I'm not asking you to sell your house and give up your job. I'm just asking you that wherever you are planted, bloom. Wherever you are planted, realize that you are ready and you are called to let out kingdom. 
It can look like a smile. It can look like a Coke. But it's got to look like something. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's lighting hearts aflame. And he's looking for burning ones, yeah. Yeah.